So we're talking about character. One of the main questions that thinkers, philosophers have always asked throughout human history is, what does it mean to be good? And how do we get it? How do we be good? How do we become good people? And I think that's what we're really talking about when we talk about character. Jesus answers these questions. Jesus is interested in the questions that most matter to us. I think everybody, when I ask that question, everybody put their hands up, but I think most people around the world are interested in this question. How can I be a good person? What does it even mean to be a good person? Even if maybe you don't think you're a good person, you still want to be. Even if you're a bad person and you're happy being a bad person, you expect other people to be good people. No one likes being stabbed in the back. But I want us to think about what does character mean? Now the word character, there's a few different words that get translated character in the Bible, but the word that we get our English word character from in Greek was charakter. And it's used one time in the whole Bible. And it's used to talk about Jesus. In the book of Hebrews, it says this. This is verse 1 to 3. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these days, he's spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint, charakter, of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Exact imprint. The original meaning of the word character was a stamping tool. It was a tool that they used to make an engraving on something. And what it left was an exact copy of that engraving. So Jesus, what we get from that verse, Jesus is the exact copy, the exact impression of God. Jesus is the character of God. Even when you look in the dictionary, you'll see the first couple definitions of character are the mental and moral qualities distinctive to a person. So the distinctive things that make a person who they are. And secondly, the distinctive nature of something. So it can be a person, it can be a thing. What's its character? So the question is not, do you have character? Every single one of us in this room has character. The question is, what kind of character do you have? What is the impression that you make? What's the impression that you leave on the world? That's your character. What are your distinctive qualities? Really the question is, what kind of person are you, basically? Most people, I think, no matter where you come from, you think of yourself as basically a good person, basically an okay person. I remember people in school, um, they would say that to me, you know, uh, I'm going to be fine when it comes to judgment day, you know, because I'm basically good. God understands. I'm a basically good person whether I, you know, believe that Jesus is God or not, right? I want us to think, how do you judge your character? How do you know what you're really made of? 
I don't think you can tell from your CV, your greatest achievements, what you got in your uh, GCSEs and your A-levels and at university, all the best things that you've done. No. I like something that a writer called C.S. Lewis said. He says, surely what a person does when he's taken off his guard is the best evidence for the kind of person that he is. Surely what pops out before he has time to put on his disguise is the truth. If there's rats in the cellar, you're most likely to see them if you go in suddenly. But the suddenness doesn't create the rats. It only prevents them from hiding. Someone else said, character's who you are in the dark. Character's who you are when no one's looking. And this is something that touches on every single one of our lives. I only talk about things that, that speak, you know, like, that challenge me. So that's why I'm sharing it with you. Those things are what tell us the kind of person that we are. The reason is that being good isn't just about what you do. It's about who you are. It's not just something that you do. It's a question of your being. It's a question of your identity. If you read the Bible, if you've read the Gospels, the stories about Jesus' life, you'll notice that they never have a list saying Jesus was good and he was kind and he was merciful and he was uh, good at carpentry. It doesn't do that, does it? Because it doesn't need to. You know the kind of person that Jesus is exactly from what he does. You know that he's good. Look at the things that he does. He heals people. He, he takes care of the poor. You know he's wise. Look at the things he says. You know he's patient. Look at the people he hangs out with, right? Jesus doesn't just do good things. We know that he is good in himself from what shows in his life. He embodies goodness. He makes it flesh. He lives it out. What do you embody? What values do you make flesh? When you read about Jesus and you read the Bible, you read the Gospels, they deeply challenge our idea of what it means to be good. What's actually required of us? Does it matter? I just want us to think about this. We know that, you know, God is good and he's merciful and he gives us grace and he forgives. But there's another side to that coin. What's actually required of us? Now, this is where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to depress you and myself, and then it's going to get better, okay? I promise. <laughs> but when you read the Bible, belief always goes hand in hand with obedience. You can't say Jesus is Lord. You can't say, God, I believe in you, and then not do what he says. It's a contradiction. Two sides of one coin. And Jesus says stuff like this all the time. 
We're more familiar with the grace side of things. He says, I no longer call you servants. I call you my friends. And there's a B side. If you do what I command. There's that famous verse in Matthew that every, every Christian kid growing up dreads. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will be allowed into the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father who's in heaven. That one make me, you know, used to make me really scared. <laughs> what was Jesus' actual standard? I want to read you two more verses. In Matthew 5, he says this. For I say to you, Unless your righteousness greatly surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of God. In Matthew 5, 48, he says, Therefore, be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now you hear that and you think, Oh gosh, I got a lot of work to do. Maybe you don't, I do. Uh... But Jesus says you have to go much further than the righteousness of the Pharisees. What was the righteousness of the Pharisees? You might know that these guys were the top dogs of the religious world. They had everything worked out. They took the 200 laws that were in the Old Testament and they made 600, just to be sure. They had it down to a science. They knew exactly what you shouldn't do and what you should do. So they said on the Sabbath, you couldn't even spit. That's work, somehow. But that kind of righteousness, it only dealt with their actions, the things that they did. But like I said before, being good isn't just about your actions. It's about who you are. And the righteousness of the Pharisees never deals with who you are. You can do the right actions. You can, do, you can refrain from doing the wrong actions and still be a horrible person. When I think back on my teenage years, I realize when I'm honest, I spent a lot of time living like that. The values that I embodied as a teenager most of the time were more like the Pharisees than like Jesus. So on the exterior, if you were to look on the outside, I looked reasonably good, reasonably holy, you know, didn't swear, didn't smoke, didn't drink. But on the inside, it was a different story. When it came down to it, my true character showed itself when no one else was looking. And the question, I think back, and the question that was really driving me in the way that I lived was, how far is too far? How far can I push it, God, before you're really going to get mad with me? What's the most that I can do and still be okay? When it came to the the good side, the, the good things I was supposed to do, though, it was the opposite. It was, what's the least that I can do? What's the least amount that I can read the Bible and do all these things that I know I'm supposed to do? What's the least amount I can get away with and still be okay? That kind of thinking, I can say now, looking back, I'm in my 20s now, it led, to, it, it led me to some of the biggest mistakes I've made so far. <laughs> 
I just want to tell you about one. I don't have time to go into lots of detail. But thinking like this led me to lose my first job. I got fired from my first job by thinking like this. And I'll tell you why. I worked hard. I did good work. I was, it was working like as a, uh, in, a, in a tennis club as like a receptionist kind of thing. And I took pride. I did good work. I smiled at people, made sure I was good. Um, I didn't break any rules explicitly. But thinking like that, what's the most I can get away with and still be okay? It led me to take advantage of a certain thing that they had at work that let you claim commission. Like if you sold a number of things, you could get a certain amount back uh, in cash. And that kind of thinking, what's the most I can do to get it and get away with it? I took advantage of the system because I thought, I'm not really breaking the rules. No one's going to find out. And basically, it twisted the whole way that the thing was supposed to be intended. It was supposed to be a reward, and I twisted it. I followed the letter of the law and the rules, but I cheated the intent of it. I don't have time to get into the details of it. But it got me fired from my first job. And it really devastated me. It really made me think, wow, you know, the thing I most regretted, all my coworkers knew I was the Christian. And I'm the one that gets fired. That's the thing, that's one of the things I most regret in my life. What did I make them think about Christianity and about Jesus by acting like that? Partly through that experience and through lots of other ones, especially I've been married five years, so I've been learning this a lot. God's showing me what he really intends for our character. He's not just interested in people that do certain things. He's interested in making us into a certain kind of person. A person who doesn't just do the law, but a person from whom the law comes out naturally. As in, the most natural thing for me to do is obey. That's what he wants to make me into. That's what he wants to make you into. Jesus says, be perfect. And that's not to condemn us. It's to say, I'm going to make you perfect. I'm going to make you into the kind of person that will obey me absolutely from their heart, naturally. He says, be perfect. He commands not just that we do things, but that we be something. And God's going to make us into that person. Now, all right, if you, if you follow me, everyone with me? Yeah? Okay, good. You should, if you're, if you're listening, you should be able to see the problem here for someone who says... God's going to let them into heaven because they're a good person. There was a time, if you've read this, there was one time where someone came up to Jesus and tried to think this way. He said, good teacher, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, whoa, 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 stop right there. He doesn't let him go any further. And he says, why do you call me good? Only God is good. 
So if Jesus says only God is good, and most of the time people think the way I'm going to get to heaven is by being a good person, help me out here. Who is going to be in heaven? How many people? God is only going to be there. If You follow me there? If the, the thing that gets you into heaven is being a good person, Jesus says only God is good. Only God's going to be in heaven. So that can't be the message. Saying you're going to get to heaven by being a good person, it's like an application to join the Trinity. If only God is good. When you seriously apply yourself to being good, a lot of us, everybody here, I'm sure, is trying to be a good person, all right? But you find out very quickly it's impossible. You never quite get it all right. You have a good few days, and then you mess up. You get angry with somebody. You swear. You do whatever. Because the problem is in who we are. That's what needs to change. Trying to be good in our own effort just leads us to the end of ourself. So where can we turn? Now, part of what I study is, is different religions. And it's interesting. Christianity is completely unique when it comes to this question. Every other system or religion will tell you the way to become a good person, the way to fix the problem, is one of three options. Option one, fix your thinking. So what's wrong is your thinking. You just need to have self-esteem. You just need to think better. There's not really anything wrong with you. You just need to think better. And when you think better, then you'll be a good person. That's option one. Option two, it's all because of your experiences. It's all to do with your emotions. So what you need to do is you need to fly out to India and you need to hang out with this guru and you need to have this spiritual experience and then you're going to make it. Then you're going to reach enlightenment. So your thinking, fix your thinking, fix your emotions or your experiences. Or the third way is follow this set of rules and one day you'll become the person that you want to be whether that's Buddhism or Islam, you've got a certain set of rules that if you follow this, you'll be saved. Christianity is completely different. Like I said, the problem isn't just what we do. The problem's not just what we feel or what we uh, think. The problem's in who we are. Christianity is not based on an idea, an experience, or a way of life. It's based on a person. We all know who that person is. But when we say the answer is Jesus, it's because the answer really is Jesus. He is the unique thing about Christianity. Christianity is the only religion, it's the only philosophy, it's the only thing that will tell you the way, to get, the way to be saved is not through working really hard at your character. No, it says, become a new person through Jesus, and you will get character. You don't achieve salvation by, getting, by having character. You get character by salvation. Christianity tells us, it's the only one to tell us, when we stop 
trying to be good on our own terms, to earn our place before God. That's what I said in that song. I, I know if, if heaven is the place where God walks among us, if it's based on me, I couldn't look him in the eye. It has to be based on Jesus. And it tells us when we stop trying to be good on our own terms and we turn to God as our only hope of being good enough, he makes us new people. When we put our trust in him to be good enough, the Bible says we have the incredible privilege of being made into a new person and being made into the kind of person that Jesus is. We're given the family likeness of God. C.S. Lewis said, a Christian doesn't think God will love us because we're good, but that, will God will, but that God will make us good because he loves us. What's unique about Christianity is not that it's, there's better laws or better morals or just better teaching. It's Jesus. A Christian understands that no one's going to be saved because they're good. The, the only reason that we're going to be saved is because Jesus is good. Because he's the only one that's good enough. And so the question is not, uh, did I pray a prayer or am I living right this week? It's, am I in him? Is Jesus part of my being? That's what I need. Because I need his goodness in me if I've got any chance. And he says it's a gift. That's the entire goal of being a Christian. To become like Jesus. Not just, I don't know if any of you are old enough to remember those WWJD bracelets. What would Jesus do? Yeah, I used to wear one, and they're cool. I'm not dissing them. They're cool. But it's much more than what would Jesus do. It's much more than that. The goal of being born again isn't just forgiveness. Who, most of us probably know John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but will go to heaven. Did I get it right? No, no. They will have eternal life. What is eternal life? It's so much more than just being forgiven. It's so much more than just going to heaven when you die. It's now. If you've ever asked what eternal life means or what the meaning of life is, look up John 17, 3, and Jesus answers the question. He says, this is eternal life. It couldn't be simpler. This is eternal life, that you may know God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. Jesus defines eternal life, real life, as knowing him. That's incredible. Eternal life isn't just living to your foreverth birthday. You know, it's not just like the elves in Lord of the Rings. It's a totally new kind of life. It's the kind of life that God has put into you. That's why it talks about a seed. 
The kingdom of God is like a seed. The kingdom of God is like leaven that you put in bread and it spreads. It's like a seed that grows into a tree. God wants to give us the only gift that never has to come to an end. We say all good things come to an end. Well, there's one good thing that never comes to an end, and that is God himself. He wants to turn us into the image of Jesus, the character of Jesus, the stamp of Jesus, so that we can know him, which is eternal life, the only gift that keeps on giving forever. And he can only do that when we take on the character of Jesus. We have to recognize, I'm just finishing now, so if the band wants to come back up. God wants to give himself to us. It's the greatest opportunity that you'll ever have. It's not just something that's, you know, it's not just insurance for the day that you die. It's the greatest gift that you can have right now. Purpose and joy and love and the truest, deepest relationship with the truest and deepest person there is in the universe. God himself. 